Hey guys, what's up? It's Rich. Uh, before we get into this week's episode, just wanted to give you a brief breakdown. It is the return of a longtime friend of the show, Mike Kingston, creator of the Headlocked comic. He is preparing to launch, well, correction, he has launched the Volume 2 Kickstarter campaign, which we're going to get into along with a host of other things with regards to the creative process, how he handles uh, conventions, what the travel schedule is like, and a host of other things as well. Our brand new installment of My Take Radio, Beyond the Mic with Mike Kingston, starts right now. This is My Take Radio's Beyond the Mic. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to a brand new installment of My Take Radio's MTR Beyond the Mic interview series. Uh, my guest is a uh, returning guest from previous installments and a friend of the show, the one and only Mike Kingston, creator of Headlock The Last Territory. He is now officially going into his second Kickstarter for Headlock The Last Territory Volume 2, and we're going to talk about that and some of the changes that have happened both creatively and just in general with the Headlock brand, and we're going to catch up with him with regards also to how he's going about promoting things a little differently. What's going on, Mike? How are um doing good thanks for having me on hey man it's it's glad to have you back um the first headlock book uh awesome book i was glad to be a part of the the first kickstarter i still wear my headlock shirt on air <laughs> quite <laughs> often so you know definitely want to show you some love for that um things things have kind of ramped up a bit for you now you know you had a really successful kickstarter run initially and you're getting ready to jump into your second Kickstarter. So uh, before we get into some of the real nitty gritty stuff, let's get into the the second Kickstarter. You know how how did it feel just getting all the backing and getting pretty pretty much exceeding expectations on the first run? Well, it was definitely. Uh, I mean, it was definitely uh, you know very exciting and uh, you know humbling and everything. You know, I mean, on some level, it's. Uh, I mean, we had a lot of. When it came to production, we ended up having a lot of sort of issues, technical issues, and I mean, it was insane. There was a period of time where we kind of thought everything was cursed, but you know, like when you when you have that many people that are interested in what you're doing and you know that are supporting you, it helps you kind of push through that stuff and uh, you know hopefully turn out a quality product. Yeah, I mean, one of the one of the things that was really special with the with the first run was the amount of support from the business the amount of creative talent behind it i mean you know you've had a long-standing relationship with with uh, jerry lawler and you know he he's been providing a lot of great stuff but there's just so many other uh, uh pretty much a who's who of of individuals involved in the first run and even now the second run it you know does it does it really it validates what you've done, I feel, just seeing that type of an outpouring of support just from so many people in the business. And I'm sure for you, it's just surprising. I'm sure it's surprising just seeing so many people like, yeah, man, you know, it's uh, we want to get involved, et cetera, et cetera. How's, how's that been for you? I mean, that that's definitely, I mean, I wouldn't be anywhere without the, the support that uh, 
these guys have been able to give me and the you know, just bringing eyeballs to the project and, you know, people that have come by to meet these people at shows or, you know, caught, caught a project on a retweet or something like that, you know, that, it, and then they discover, they discover headlocked and then they end up falling in love with it. Like that's, that's been, uh, that's been huge. I mean, the, uh, the comic book media isn't always super friendly to independent stuff. And, uh, you know, the wrestling media is, uh, is, is a little easier to, to deal with, but, it's uh, it's pretty hard sometimes to get independent projects in front of people. So you know, having these guys help out, it definitely uh, it definitely puts us in a different place, and it allows more people to discover what we're doing. Yeah, you've you know the story, you know Mike Hartman's story has just I'm sure it resonates with so many with so many superstars, and even just with 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 people in in younger demographics that are looking to get into professional wrestling do you think that by presenting the business in such a way in a way you're kind of creating um not not a, not an easy, not not a handbook but just a a different look at the business do you feel that that's kind of instrumental in how you're presenting your product i mean that's yeah i think uh you know i mean as a, as a lifelong fan of wrestling comics i was always very disappointed whenever wrestling comics would come out and uh you know, so I figured if we did it a different way that, uh, you know, it might be something that people would, would enjoy. And I think on some level, I think anybody who's been a wrestling fan is, you know, even if it's just for a second, you're like, man, I wish I could do that. Or you, know, you, you think about, you know, being in front of the crowd and the lights and all that. I think everybody on some level has that sort of fantasy. Absolutely. Um, and I, so I think, you know, on some level, this is a, it's a little wish fulfillment type thing. Um, Although I don't think anybody would take his, uh, I don't think anybody would take Mike Hartman's journey if they could choose not if they could choose it. Yeah, but but you know what the funny thing is, even even in that respect, there's there's just a a, a deeper. You kind of get a a real glimpse of of the grit that's required to become a professional wrestler. I think that's one of the things that the book excels at. People don't understand that it's not just oh I'm going to wake up and become a professional wrestler. You know, you got to find a school, you got to go and perform in front of front of crowds, walk away with fifty bucks for for a night's work, and then drive to another town. Like it's a it's a labor of love. It's not like like NFL like the NFL or Major League Baseball where you go to college or you've been groomed for this your entire life and then you get a scholarship. It's all about the grind, you know, b- building building the ring and and performing in front of these small crowds. And I think that's one of the things that really brings uh, the headlock story just just into the the realm of realism that you guys have done a great job capturing. Well, that's the way we uh, we structure the story. I think you know. Whereas he's sort of learning things piece by piece by piece. So you can sort of learn the business along with it, you know, through his eyes and, uh, you know, see what he's going through. I think it's, I think to be a successful professional wrestler is one of the hardest things to just to do. And I mean, even, even when, once you're on top to just to maintain that type of, uh, lifestyle is it's so taxing and it's so difficult and, I mean, obviously, you know, CM Punk just walked away from it, and I mean, he was at the top of the game. So, I mean, I think you don't see, you don't generally see, uh, you don't generally see other people in other sports, you know, retiring in their prime. But you know, it happens in wrestling, and because it's a, uh, it's such a tough business, and I think the people that get there, that get to the top of that mountain, have uh, have an extraordinary uh, drive to to get there, and I think that that's. That's something that uh, you know should be celebrated. Yeah, that's going going now into the the second book. You know, having having you know Michael Mulipola involved, 
and just the overall art style. And, you know, it's one of the things I one of the one of my favorite pieces that you guys have put out is is the evolution that you guys are actually using as a shirt now for the uh, for the new campaign, which I will be backing because I want that shirt also. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I, I gotta I gotta ask just just having while the while having all the guest contributors is great. I do you feel better now that you have such a recognizable art style with this book because I've seen you know I've seen people sharing the different images. I mean, um, even one of the wrestling schools out here in in New York City shared the the um the Mike Hartman journey picture for you know something that they were talking about relating to their school so it, the, does it make you feel good that you've created that just you know you look at it and you see it in other places yeah i think that that's uh, it's definitely uh it's definitely humbling and it's it's exciting i mean sometimes i'll randomly click on somebody's twitter and i'll see like the you know i'll see a headlocked image as their like cover screen or right you know as their uh as their uh you know, is their avatar, avatar, and I think that that's uh, it's cool to just see things kind of spread that way. Well, the one thing that that's been that's been really great, and and this was this was one of the things I, I shared recently was you know the, like Bullet Club shared uh, the Headlock book in one of their photos, and seeing that you see that you know the, there's a group of guys that they're pretty much running game over there in Japan. You know, they're killing it over there, and the and you know you seeing them support the book on such a big stage, it's I'm sure that. When you see that, you realize, you know, things have come so far and it, even just getting comic books published is just such a difficult process now. So to, to see that uh, when I saw it as a fan, you know, and as someone who knows you and the amount of love and work you put into it, you know, it brought a smile to my face. That's why I was, you know, I was happy to share that. And I'm, you know, how, how was that for you? It's always amazing to wake up to something like that. You know, <laughs> it, I mean, it happened overnight. So, you know, I woke up and I looked and I had like, you know, 40 mentions on my Twitter and I'm like, what's, what's going on here? You know? And then, uh, you know, I saw the picture and, you know, AJ's a friend and he's, he's doing, uh, he's doing a story for the next book. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, is a, a friend of Mikel's. And, uh, so they, uh, you know, they put that picture together and, uh, I thought that was, uh, that was, uh, really awesome. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy that when you see something like that, you realize that not only not only just the the art of professional wrestling but just comics in general it's such now it's be, it's almost become not it's almost uncool now if you're not into comics do you agree things have changed so dramatically in the last 10 or 15 years that to see that now like everybody has a comic shirt you know everybody's supporting it we were before we started recording you know everybody talking about the cons and how much they've grown it's 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 humbling to see so many for me as a as a fan just so many wrestlers that enjoy and share the same interests i do you know yeah no it's it's very surprising on some level how much you know everybody Everybody in uh, everybody in wrestling likes comics. You know, I was just uh, I was just backstage at Impact uh, last weekend to see Ken and uh, Sam, and you know all these people were coming up, and you know you know EY likes the book, and Samoa Joe, and then Gunner was interested, and uh, Spud was all about it. You know, like people are just like, oh, this is so cool. You know, so I think there's definitely there's definitely uh, the stigma is definitely pretty much gone away. I think and. When it comes to comics, I mean, thanks to the success of so many properties in the, in the mainstream. So I wanna I wanna talk a little bit about the the journey now for the second Kickstarter. Um, you know, Kickstarters. I don't even want to say that there, there's a Kickstarter that Kickstarters 
overblown in the sense that there's so many other you know there was a guy doing the 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 salad the, the sandwich or or with a macaroni salad and i'm just like all right this is getting ridiculous do you feel that you know now that kickstarter and just crowdsourcing has become such a mainstream thing that you almost feel like you're competing with with some of the most inane things like if it's a guy trying to come out with a smart watch or or something a product that's revolutionary but you know you're competing against the guy trying to get a salad funded does it frustrate you in that respect you know seeing that and and seeing you know the amount of money and press that that gets versus something like this which is not only changing just the scope of how people view the business but also creating a new medium for people to enjoy wrestling i mean none of that really bothers me i think you know i don't think that i'm competing against anybody um i mean i don't think people have a set amount of money that they're going to spend on kickstarters and i know people get frustrated sometimes that things like that take their attention away but i mean on some level it also brings people to kickstarter and i think that's that's one of the hardest things about the process is to get people into Kickstarter to sign up and then pledge. Like it's not a, it's not an easy thing sometimes. Like it's just an extra step that somebody has got to go through. So getting people in the door, I think will expose them to your product. Um, you know, they can search through, uh, they can search through things, you know? So maybe somebody signs up because they want to, as a joke, they want to pledge a dollar to the potato salad guy. <laughs> then they, then they look around, you know, and they're like, hey, this looks cool, and maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll pledge to this because I think once you get into it, it's it's very cool. I mean, I think I've backed forty some odd projects, and I think that uh, I think the Kickstarter is very very cool, and I mean, it gets probably as much of my comic book budget now as uh, as my uh, LCS does. So I think that you know, I think it's good to support new stuff, and especially for a business that isn't very uh, diverse at the moment. So I think it's cool to see other types of things. And uh, I don't know. I, it doesn't bother me so much. I think people who think like, oh, you know, they would have my project failed because people pledged to Reading Rainbow or Zach Braff. <laughs> I, I don't think that I don't think you're competing with those people. I mean, if five other people had wrestling comics, that'd be a different, right. different animal. You know, when we first did our uh, first Kickstarter, Ultimo Dragon had a Kickstarter up that was not successful. Um, but, you know. I, I felt on some level I was competing with those people, but you know, I, I think it's the wrong way to look at it. Sometimes when people say, Oh, the potato salad guy's taking my money. <laughs> but it, uh, the reason I bring that up is because when, when that, when that story took, took root and a lot of people were, were talking about it, the first thing, you know, you, the first thing you always venture into at your own risk is the comment section. And I started seeing like a lot of guys like, really, you know, I go up there and I'm busting my ass trying to get X and Y. And before you know it, it was just, um, 50% like, Hey, this is pretty cool and pretty funny. And then like, 45 or 50% that were just like, this is bullshit. You know, I'm on there trying to get my dream funded and this guy wants to do a salad. So the reason I bring that up is because I was, I was curious to, to get, get your thoughts as a creator because every creator views things differently, but the way you're approaching it is the right way to do it because honestly, and we go back to one of the first interviews you and I did, it's getting comics created back back in the old days was, was a war of attrition. At least now there's more outlets to get your product seen. Oh, oh, it's still a war of attrition. Don't get me wrong. Um, it's definitely the it's definitely the hardest thing I've ever done. I mean, even with you know all the various wrestlers and celebrities and such that I've had help me out. Um, I just think you can't 
I think you can't be negative. You know, I think people, it's so easy to get lost in negativity and stuff. And I think you just, you can't be focused on what other people are doing. Like you just gotta be, you just gotta do your thing. And that's, you know, I think people, I think people respond to positivity more than anything else. Absolutely. Now, yeah, you know, I, I feel that this year, and more so, I think your your convention circuit schedule is a lot bigger than it was. Am I am I correct in that assumption? Yeah, it's it's been grueling, um, you know. But that's that's the one thing, you know. Like it's it's hard it's hard getting people to to notice you. I mean, even with all the tweets and the retweets and the posts and whatever, it's it's really hard to get people's attention. I mean, the click through on Twitter is awful. Um, you know, I mean. I, I, post a dick joke about john cena that might get 40 retweets but you know you you post people to look at your kickstarter it's a it's a trickier thing so you know getting out in front of people i think is the is the most important thing because ultimately i think that's what it you know people when people meet me and they, they know what the the story about the book and you know where it came from and the passion that, that i have for wrestling and for comics and the passion that all the wrestlers have for comics and the passion that the artists have for for wrestling i think that's when people see that, I think then they're, you know, they're, they're definitely want to support it. So, you know, getting out in front of people is still my sort of strongest thing to, to make people, to, to make people want to be a part of what we're doing. Well, in, in that respect, the, you know, the, the, the art of, and, and this is something that, and we've, you and I have touched on this as well, just the art of the face-to-face interaction is, is so, people look at it as so outdated just because there's so many ways to, to kind of hide your 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 opinions whether it's facebook or twitter or or whatever it is but the face-to-face seeing the excitement when somebody opens and uh, opens a book and goes through it and they're like wow you know i'm digging the art or i'm digging the story that i think that's still the number one sell you know and it's good to hear it like like your like your approach is still i in classic in the sense that hey you know this is my book you know and, and you shoot the shit with these guys hell i remember one of the first one of the first times i met you we, you know, we, we talked at length about the book. We talked a little bit about wrestling and et cetera. It's, you know, there, there was, there was a dialogue and it wasn't even you trying to sell the book. It was, it was you being passionate about something that you put a lot of blood, sweat and tears into, you know? Yeah, no. And I mean, I think that's the, that's the deal. I mean, I don't, I don't want to hard, I don't want to have to hard sell people and, you know, get into any of that stuff. Cause I mean, I see people do that. I mean, I see it, I see it more in wrestling, you know, I was, I was just in uh I was just the king of trios this weekend and, uh, you know, seeing some of the, some of the guys work their gimmick table, you know, like they definitely put the hard sell on guys. And I, I'm just not that guy. I'm not, I'm never going to be that guy. And I don't want to be that guy. I don't think people want that. You know, I don't think people want to feel guilty about putting their money down. You know, if you like it, that's cool. If it's not your thing, I get that too, you know, but I think that there's more than enough people that'll dig what we're doing to, you know, to sustain our, to sustain our run. Yeah, I think I think with that with that regard, you know, you're you like I like I said, just a a, a genuine approach, and and I think that's still something that just speaks volumes of of your entire approach to this. You're not you're not hiding behind anything, you know. Every every kickstart, you know, your first Kickstarter, there was an update every week, every other week. Hey guys, this is where we're at. This is what we're doing. Um, you know, here's the here's the video short. Here's this. Here's that. You 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 ran it the way. I feel most successful product launches need to be ran. You know, you, you made yourself accessible. You were out there. And I think that that's, you know, that, that just speaks volumes about you as a, as a person, you know? Well, I think you just, I don't know. I mean, I don't think, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't get in. I'm not into this to make money. I'm not into this to, I mean, 
I haven't made a dime off a headlock, and I'm cool with that. You know, all my money goes right back into the book. Um, we pay for art, we pay for you know spaces at conventions. You know, I don't, I don't really care if I ever make a dime on it. To be honest with you, I just want to be able to do this as long as I can and tell as much story as I can. I'd like to. I mean, I'd like to be able to get ourselves a readership to the point where I don't have to, you know, hustle for money, like, right. you know, through Kickstarter, because it takes time away from creating the book. But outside of that, I, I, you know, I just, I enjoy, I enjoy what I do and it's fun and I've had amazing experiences and I've met amazing people. And, you know, at the end of the day, like it's, you know, it's totally changed my life in the most amazing way. So I don't want to. I don't want to ever look at it as being the source of paying my electric bill because I think that changes. I think on some level that changes your dynamic with how you view it. Um, when I go to conventions, you know, I think anybody that knows me knows that I'm sort of passionate about food as well, and I, uh, you know, I try to find amazing places to eat. So if you know, if maybe I don't have a great show, you know, I can still walk away with a positive experience from the show and not feel like oh, I just wasted this whole weekend and i wasted my money and you know whatever so i just think you try to i try to get the most out of it that i can get out of it you know in terms of enjoyment and positive experiences well one of the things that that i you know i liked is that you're you're going into other mediums also to get the the headlocked name out there obviously you know the shirts like like i said are are, are extremely cool but the um the motion comic uh, was really nice. I I liked I liked when I got that as the as the perk. You know, um, hearing hearing the the iconic voice of of Mr. Anderson in there was uh, it brought a smile to my face because that that's a guy whose voice is extremely recognizable. And to see it, you know, and see it just come to life like that was just um it, again it, one of the things that makes me happy because you know we've been I've been following this journey with you for 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 a while now. So to see that it's like oh shit, you know it's 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 a, it's a motion comic. We're almost there. We're almost into cartoon territory. So you know it was definitely cool to see that. We actually uh, debuted that at uh, at the wrestling film festival that uh, Mike Johnson had put on in uh, New York City last year, and you know that was that was. Cr- crazy to sit and i actually attended and to sit in the crowd and you know to just run that and see you know people respond to it in a positive way like that was really uh it was really cool like it was that was one of the cooler moments you know creatively that i've gotten to experience and you're are, are you are you depending on the outcome of this kickstarter going that route for a second motion comic yeah, they're. I mean, they're expensive to do, and yeah, I figured. You know, obviously, the book is always going to be my first priority. So, you know, if we can go over on this one, you know, I will definitely, <clears throat> I will definitely do more. I mean, I'd like to be able to fund. I'd like to be able to do the whole first issue of the Last Territory. Um, but obviously, the more people you add to it, the more expensive it becomes. The longer it is, um, you know, I, I got a lot of guys that would do voices for it or want to do voices. So ultimately, I think if I, I'd, I'd really like to, you know, I'd really like to have that happen. Well, now that now that with with this second campaign, I I feel like it wasn't even that far. Well, it was a decent amount of time between each campaign. But has have things evolved in terms of just still getting books out the old school way? Have things changed with regards to getting stuff printed? Um, no, I mean, I think everything for me is is largely the same in terms of production. Um, it's just it's a little smoother now. We kind of we kind of got our groove. Um, I think Mikel understands the pace he needs to work at. Because um, I mean I think that's a bigger project than he's ever done. Um, and the same with Chuck, uh, the colorist. I think people 
kind of understand a little bit better. And I mean, we just, we had a lot of setbacks with the first one. So I had really hoped to be able to launch the Kickstarter earlier, but you know, earlier into the convention season, but we ended up, uh, you know, it took a little bit longer. We had a, like I said, a number of sub setbacks, Chuck's house, uh, flooded and then he got robbed. Um, Mikel's art tablet broke on him. Um, I mean, it was brutal, like, the stuff. I mean, I can't even tell you how many things, like, died in my house. I think I replaced every appliance in my house in the last year. Um, You know, there was a a rough period. Uh, I think four different people associated with the book had, like, their houses flooded in some fashion. Um, So, like I said, it was a a battle, but now I think we're in a better place. You know, we kind of found our groove, and we, you know, we pumped the book out, and we had to get it done. So, that... uh, and I think everybody that's had a chance to check it out was really happy with the product. So I think, uh, you know, I think we're in a good place production wise. Now we just, uh, we just got to get this puppy funded with the, with the current crop of, of new personas and new characters. Are you, have you been drawing inspiration for, for, you know, new additions to the, to the headlock, the universe as you, as you look at every character, you like, I've, and we've talked about this, you know, you see shades of characters that you recognize in, in, you know, in the squared circle, in the real world. Have you drawn inspiration from any of the, of the newer personas that are out there for new characters in the books or, or just the storylines in general? Um, the story tends to, to generate, uh, the backstory for a lot of the characters, um, a lot of their behind their behind the scenes. A lot of their gimmicks are just there as like a reference point. You know, most of the gimmicks for the characters don't have a lot to do with uh, have a lot to do with the story. It's more about their sort of uh, you know their backstage personas and their lives and whatnot. Um, one of the other cool things we did for the we did for the first Kickstarter and for this Kickstarter is for people could be drawn into the book as wrestlers and uh, um, you know so once people sent me their pictures like. You know, one guy I ended up basing a character on in the uh, in the third issue, like it completely changed the direction that I was going to go with that issue just based on his look. And then I, I created a character for him and then it ended up influencing the way I told the story and uh, it pushed it in a whole different direction. And I think that was uh, that was really fun. Um, it's a fun thing creatively for me to to play with. I think it's like, uh, I don't know, it's almost like an obstacle, you know, or a puzzle or something you know like oh what am i going to do with these guys to make this interesting and and uh and it really i think it and it enhanced my story create creatively working working with so many different personalities do you figure you know the process for you how do you flesh out like for instance for this second for the second volume how do you flesh out the story you want to tell and how far along do you get creatively before you start um thinking of other participants that you want to bring in to share you know side stories or or extra stories into the volume um well the backup stories i mean anybody can contribute um you know i'm open to anybody contributing i just they need to be comic book fans right you know you need to be able to name me a few avengers that aren't in the movie <laughs> I mean, I well hope, or, you know, or, or been to a few comic book conventions, owned a few comics. Like, I mean, because I get guys all the time that say, "Oh, I want to be in it," or you know, people say, "You should do a comic book about me." And that's not what, what I'm looking for. I mean, I'm not looking to put anybody over. Like, we're looking to tell stories and right. good stories. So, you know, like for this book, we have uh, you know AJ Styles and Frankie Kazarian and uh, John Morrison, and I know I know them all personally. I know they're all into the stuff. Um, and I have no problem with that, you know, but sometimes, you know, 
guys will come up and be like, oh, you should do a story on me. And that's, that's not what I'm about. So, you know, everybody's got something to say. Um, one of the cool things that I'm working on that I, I don't have a place for it just yet. I haven't quite figured out how I'm going to work it in is I have a Ox Baker is doing a story that was, it's going to be illustrated by his son, Ox Baker Jr. Who's an artist, which I'm super excited about. Cause I just think that's cool. As, you know, it's the coolest thing. So um, I haven't quite figured out where I'm going to put that or how I'm going to work that into the, how I'm going to work that into the mythos, but I'm, uh, I'm very excited about it. Yeah, that's that's one of the things I've you know I like with with the guest contributions. I mean, you know, you had you had so many different guest contributors in the first volume, and just so many people who really had some just unique perspectives. It's funny how you can give people a foundation, and you tell them, "All right, give me something with these characters," and the stuff they come up with. I mean, I'm sure sometimes it just trips you out. Like, wow, you came up with that for for these characters from my universe. It's it's crazy. It's almost like sometimes when you when you are a comic fan and you read like fan fiction or you see other people's interpretations of your of your characters, you're just like, wow, that's that's crazy. And I and I feel that that's kind of one of the things that makes Headlock so unique because there's so much there's so much creative drive behind it, and you're also just getting creative inspiration for yourself, I'm sure, from some of the other people involved. Well, one of the cool things, like I mean, one of one of my favorite stories from the last book was a hurricane story um, called the. It was about the this character called the Career Killer, and uh, it actually came from a really a real place. Like he called me. And he was in the doctor's office waiting for an MRI on his neck. And, you know, we sort of worked out this story. And I think that, uh, you know, it was based on something that he was going through at the time. And I think it, what we put together was a real, a real powerful thing in six pages. And uh, I was really happy with how it came out. And I know Shane was really happy with how it came out. Uh, you know, it was, just, it was a good collaboration. And that's that's been super fun. Well, that, you know, shifting gears a little bit for, for you personally, you've, you're, you know, creator, owner, uh, community manager, publicist, hype man. How do you, besides obviously juggling all these roles, plus a real job and your family, how are you adapting in terms of just becoming better at, at being, you know, the, the head of a, of, of your company? You know what I mean? In the sense that how are you approaching this? Like in terms of, uh, financials and backing and and pitching to other other wrestlers and creatively like what's your what's your process for that like how do you how do you set aside time because dude you're on the road every time i see you you're going to a con and you know you got a real job so how are you how are you spacing that um well i don't sleep um <laughs> i share your pain that is uh that is first and foremost um <laughs> i'm uh i'm looking to become a vampire at some point just to just for my comics but uh it's it's crazy um I mean, I work nights and I have a real job that's, uh, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 hours a week. And I get out of work, like I'll get out of work on a Friday morning at like 530 in the morning and then I'll drive to a show or fly to a show that's a Friday show. I'll do the show for three days and I will drive home or fly home from that show and go directly to work on Sunday night, you know, because I only have X amount of time off to go to shows. Right. Um, and that's, I mean, there's weekends where I don't see my house. Um it's, I mean, it's a grind and it's been a grind. Um, you know, and I try to get, like I said, I try to get to as many shows as I can. Um, I'm just coming off a stretch where I did, uh, six shows in or five shows in six weeks. And, uh, it was pretty, uh, it was pretty brutal. Um, but you know, like, I mean, I'm tired when I'm 
of my job and I'm tired, you know, during the day a lot. But, you know, when you're there at the show, sort of behind the table doing your thing or whatever, like, I don't get tired. Like, that's that's the whole, you know, that's the dream. And that's what keeps me going. You know, that's the, the fan interaction and the response to the book and meeting different people and meeting different wrestlers. You know, people that come up and be like, oh, I've heard of this. This sounds really cool. And, you know, that just keeps you going. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure from from that respect, it, your it, fatigue goes out the window at that point. I mean, I can I can vouch, man. You know, you, you do doing the shows and stuff, and then you're like, Ugh, I gotta go and do this. And then when you get there, it's like you get that shot in the arm because you realize this is what I love to do. And at that point, you just embrace the grind. So you know, I, I had to ask only because you're wearing many hats. It's not like you've got like three or four other people handling all the stuff. Everything I see, it's you doing it hands on. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, for our last book, I mean, we had three different, you know, three different stories by wrestlers that had their own art teams. And then we had, uh, you know, three different pinups from wrestlers, or actually five different pinups from from various guest artists and wrestlers. And then, uh, you know, Judah did the Judah Freelander from 30 Rock did the intro. So, you know, like I had to I had to wrangle all of that stuff. And, you know, I mean, everybody, you know, everybody's a last minute person. So, yep. you know. I'll have to do better about not actually giving them the actual deadline and giving them the the week before deadline because uh, you know that last that last week of putting stuff together was insane. Well, once you get all the pieces from everyone, how do you go about? Um, do you do you storyboard each individual piece and then you know have one massive storyboard for for the entire volume? Like, how does that process work? Uh, well, I mean, like. You know, so like for like a lot of the the wrestler collaborations, like they were all different. Um, some of them I did in person with the guys. Like you know, Rob and I sat down at a show and worked something out. Um, Daniels wrote a pro story for me that I adapted into panels, and then uh, you know Shane and I, like I said, we we started the process you know on the phone and then continued it after that. Um, you know, everything everything is different. Everybody works differently. Everybody's got a different creative process. So. I mean, to make it as, uh, I mean, obviously they're not professionals at it. So to make it as easy for them, you know, I try to adapt to what works best for them, you know, in terms of the guest stuff, um, you know, the art, the art's a little easier, you know, you say, Hey, I give them as much freedom as, as, uh, as they want to do stuff. Um, you know, and everybody, everybody did something a little bit different. Um, you know, sin, sin did, uh, sin Bodhi did a little comedy piece kind of, uh, you know, and I think that that fits his character and what he's about, you know, and, I, and it worked out perfectly, you know, but I didn't, I didn't give any of the people any direction. I just tried to avoid any uh, duplication of character because I didn't want everybody to do 14, you know, pinups of the same guy. So outside of that, I gave them as much freedom as they wanted. Well, with, with, with regards to that about, about them, you know, the artist doing pinups of, of different guys, is do you do you run into uh, guys always kind of not competing but always wanting to draw one particular character more so than another? I mean, just because of either uh, a, a kinship with the character or just the, the overall character design? I think character design plays into it. I mean, I think obviously characters with masks um, tend to be a little more popular so people don't have to draw faces. Um, but, uh, you know, I think outside of that, I mean, everybody kind of has their own weird preferences, I think, you know? So, I mean, it hasn't been too bad, but I mean, a lot of people really like the, the black death character and I think it, you know, it's an easy character to draw, but it's also probably the coolest looking. So, uh, you know, that's a, 
that's a trickier, you know, it's a trickier thing to manage, but it's, you know, it's not that hard. Yeah, I've always, I, I, I've, I like the Black Death character. I, you know, I like, um, you know, the Ultimate Soldier. I liked his design. Uh, one of my fa- one of my favorites, just because he has that that iconic, you know, GI Joe old school GI Joe packaging look. Right. So you know, it's one of those those things where you look at certain characters, you're know, like, yeah, that character is just just a badass looking dude. And then what what happens is when you see different people's interpretations of that character, I'm sure when you look at it, you're like, wow, that's a that's a different spin on how I you know how I've drawn him or how I've uh, how I've inspired that character. And it, it, I'm sure for in in your case, it's it's probably weird too that then when you see it, you get ideas how to make that character better. I'm sure it happens often. Oh yeah, every every time you collaborate with somebody, you know, and that's the thing. That's one of the things I think any writer's got to learn is, you know, giving the artists room to breathe. You know, some some writers are very very particular about thumbnailing stuff out, and you know, they want the picture that's inside their head. But you know, the artists they know what they're doing, and most times the the picture they have in their head is better than the picture in your head. And you just got to give them the freedom to you got to give them the freedom to do, do it. No, I, I agree a hundred percent. I mean, it, that, that's one of the things that I've learned, especially when you when you have guys do tattoos for you. You go, yeah, man, I got this idea, and then the guy draws it, and you're like, whoa, that's not what I had in mind, but that's awesome. And then that that seems to be the name of the game. Uh, I'm assuming on the regular, it is. I think you know. I mean, especially now. I mean, working with Mikel, like he understands wrestling, so I think it's a different. We're at sort of a different place collaboratively, I think, than uh, than previous teams have been. Just because he's, I mean, he's an actual wrestler and understands things, and I think that that's, I think that's uh, that really helps bring our collaboration, you know, into a whole another place. No, I th- I think that that Mikel's involvement has made things unique because it's about wrestling you have you know wrestlers involved in the project it it brings everything full circle and i think that's a that's a an easier way for for new fans to jump in because they'll they'll realize that some of their favorite superstars believe in this project support this project want to be involved in it and they in turn they'll draw inspiration from that i mean even even people that watch wrestling now that that you know you ask them all oh, who's your favorite wrestler or this or that when you see that they 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 reference that particular wrestler because they feel a kinship for that person, and I think in that respect you want to support whatever endeavor that person is doing, whether it's you know movies, film, comics, whatever it may be. Yeah, and I mean I that's obviously been a a, a huge part of uh, our early success was just you know having these guys attached and having these guys promote it, and you know that's why that's that's been the coolest thing is to you know when there's people that you respect what they do that they respect what you do like that's a pretty that's a pretty heady thing to, you know, I remember the first time, you know, just when I had my first book before I was hooked up with anybody, you know, getting a, getting an email from Rob Van Dam saying, you know, oh, this was great. I love this story. I really want to follow it. And, uh, you know, from Hurricane, the same thing, or, you know, like I'm a big fan of Joe Lansdale. He's a writer and, you know, he had come by and, you know, I had given him a copy of the book because I was a huge fan of Joe Lansdale and he came back to tell me how much he liked it, which, you know, it blew my mind to get respect, you know, from people in the in the comic book business or from other professional writers because I'm not, uh, I mean, I'm not a trained writer. I'm just, you know, I taught myself. I mean, I have a I have a biochemistry degree, so everything that I've done, I've I've sort of learned myself and learned on the fly and taught myself how to do so. To get respect from, uh, you know, from writers, I think is is uh, is really amazing. 
now the right the writing process for you what do you what do you do you write everything out by hand do you you know type a, a couple of things out day to day how's that process for you now i start out large and then i work my way back so i know you know the the sort of the bullet points for the book you know for the issue what i want to accomplish and then i work back and create scenes and then I work back and I add a number of, pa- you know, then I decide to I page out the scenes and what I think I'm going to need. And then uh, and then I write each individual scene and then I try to make sure that they flow. And I mean, that whole process. So it's basically I start large and I work backwards. Um, I work out I work out the plotting on uh, on paper. And then uh, once I get to the once I get past that, once I have my scenes, you know, paged out then I. I do everything else typing wise because I, I'm obsessive with dialogue. I'll, I probably rewrite everything a million times. I'm not super fast as a writer. Like I'm my own worst enemy. I think in that regards, in terms of being a perfectionist. Do you do you have anyone that you do? Do you flesh it out and then have somebody read it? You know, outside of the bubble, so to speak, and then come back to you and let you know, or do you? flesh it out and then give it to the artist and then he comes back and he says yeah you know putting this putting this to to art is not is not gonna work how does that how does that work in terms of just filtering out the noise so to speak uh well for this last one it it really kind of it flowed really well like i didn't have a lot of changes um we didn't have a lot to we didn't have a lot to not work out so it uh i mean i do have a couple of people that i run stuff by um people that i trust different people different voices but uh this one, uh, this one kind of came right off. I mean, it wasn't an easy process to write, but I mean, I think once I got where I wanted, like in my head, like I know it's like a, it, like I said, it's like a puzzle where I'm always trying to, well, maybe I should tell this this way or do this this way, and then, but once I once I find it, like I know it's just sometimes the process of getting there can be uh, take a day or two. Yeah, it's a, I, you know, that that's kind of the stuff that. Uh, I'm sure other other comic you know people that are that are looking to get their their foot in in the comic industry are curious about because everyone's process is different and it, it's funny that you that you start off big and then kind of whittle it down into into the more intricate parts because I think that very you know a lot of people they they write everything out you know they do the brain dump first and then they come back and do cleanup. Ver, you know, but you're doing it on a bigger scale because it's like, yeah, we're going to get all the big stuff out of the way first. And then, you know, doing all the dialogue, like you were saying, comes in afterwards. I think I think that process is good because sometimes you have that one really crazy idea and you just got to get it out there. I mean, does that happen to you often where you're like, hey, this is going to be a great idea and you got to jot it down somewhere so you don't forget it? Yeah, sometimes I'll throw it in my phone under notes or, uh, you know, sometimes I'll just, you know, randomly... Uh... I'll think of something. If it's really, really good, I'll, I don't need to write it down because I've already, you know, worked it over about 17 different ways in my head. (laughs) You've obsessed about it enough that you're like, yeah, it's in there. It's not going anywhere. Uh, It's rough sometimes. I mean, when, when a good idea gets in my head, you know, my wife's talking to me and I don't hear what she's saying. And (laughs) cause I'm, I'm gone in a whole different, I'm in a whole different place, you know, kneading this around like, you know, dough and, uh, it'll, uh, it can be, uh, a little obsessive thing i guess um you know mentioning mentioning that and and you know just you know tuning out the misses when you're doing that how does how does that you know how do how do the people outside of out of out of the bubble you know like your misses and just people that that aren't 
remotely affiliated with this? How do they how do they view your your labor of love and your project? I'm sure you talk about it, you know, whether it's in passing or or not. How did you know? How's your support system for the for a lot of this stuff? Um, it's been it's been good. I mean, over the years, I've I've met a lot of people. Um, you know, the folks from Visionary Comics. Um, you know, my wife, my family, my friends. I mean, everybody kind of knows I've been at this forever. You know, my family my cousins and and stuff are all fantastic um you know i mean i think everybody knows how much it means to me and you know it's uh it takes me away from people a lot i mean i miss a lot of things which you know which sucks um but i i try my best to you know to spread myself out as much as possible but uh yeah there's never enough time that's uh always the battle no, and and that's why that's why I wanted to ask about that because it's not it's not too often people people dig dig deep for that stuff and and it's weird because every everybody has a different support system and some people they're like oh here we go we're gonna hear about you know how tired he is from the convention and stuff but it's it's good to hear that you have such a good support system that that's really kind of just riding with you to the end till the wheels fall off because sometimes that's a big factor in how we approach you know our labors of love and how we handle stuff that people just are like they 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 punch out and they're like all right you know uh, glad to see you're doing well and then that's it you know and you end up alienating people but it's good that at least you you have a a good support system that kind of helps push you through those rough patches and it's cool too like at the job i mean i've i've had a couple of different jobs while i've been doing this and you know i work in uh you know, blue collar management. So, you know, I work with a lot of working class folks. I mean, I'm a working class guy myself. Um, but, uh, you know, like all those guys are all super cool about it. You know, very supportive, you know, they'll buy t-shirts and stuff. Um, you know, to just, if they're not, you know, into comics, you know, a lot of people bought like my first issues, like, I'm going to hold on to this, you know, for when you make it big and, you know, that stuff's really cool. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you when you when you hear that and you're like, it's you. It's like when you make it big and when you hear that, it's good that people don't say, you know, if you make it. Hearing the words when really no nobody understands that sometimes that's what we need to hear just as as being creative individuals to to push us through, you know. Sure, and I mean, but I think also you know the fact that people are putting uh, you know the fact that people put money down, I think is a is a vote of confidence, you know. Right, but some people so, just want I mean, to get their foot in the that, door. That helps. I, well, people also, you know, and and this is funny too. Some some people they also look at it as an investment because they want to make sure that they were there. You know, they were at the ground floor. <laughs> right. No, no, but it's it's cool that people have the faith in you that you can get to that place too. You know, I think that uh, that helps that helps a lot. You know, that that people think uh, think that you can get there. No, absolutely. I wanna I wanna just. Um, break out a couple of things with regards to the kickstarter that i want to get out there um your your starting pledge amount is five bucks and listen if you don't got five dollars laying around you're you're, you're crazy because it, it might be between your couch cushions but uh, on the five dollar pledge people are getting um the the headlock last territory preview book plus all the updates and all the first looks at, at scenes from the book itself which is huge because you know you're giving people a a solid incentive for a five dollar investment i agree i mean i think i think all of our play we got stuff for everybody um you know at the lower tiers the higher tiers i mean a lot of our a lot of our higher tiers get taken before the lower tiers i think right now we have more uh five hundred dollar pledges than we have five dollar pledges 
Yeah, it's crazy. I, I saw the number of backers and I and it, and it made me, it put a smile on my face. You know, like I know, you know, I usually like I said, I run I run gimmick table because I like I like wearing the shirts on air. You know, because everybody always asks. Even even the 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 previous the classic cover shirt that I chased you down for. I'm yeah. like I'm like I feel like such an asshole emailing Mike about this, but it was good because everywhere I go, they're like, oh man, you know, that's a that's a badass shirt. You know, like like well, like what's the deal with that? Like where and you know then then it gets into a conversation about it, and that's why you know like I always like doing it that way. And when as soon as I saw that you guys were doing the evolution shirt, I'm like, yep. I already know what I'm backing. So, you know, it definitely, <laughs> you know, it definitely is, is, is cool to see that, that you guys are, are, are kind of stepping a little bit out with, with the designs and putting them on more merch, because I think that's, that's huge because it raises, it raises, um, interest and conversation as well. I, I, there's, there's ample times where people ask me about it. And like I said, just wearing it on air and I always make sure to say, Hey, you know, you want this shirt, go to headlocked. So it works out. That's cool. Yeah, no, it's, and I, I mean, it always blows my mind. Like I'll be, I remember just randomly looking at some article. I don't even remember what the article was about. Like it was about, about um, some festival in like Connecticut and like the opening picture on the screen was a guy wearing a headlock shirt, you know, and it was somebody that, I mean, I'm assuming he, you know, I sold him a shirt at some point, you know, at some right. show <laughs> you know, randomly, you know, I probably sold a couple hundred of each type of shirt and, uh, you know, just some random dude wearing a headlock shirt, you know, at some festival in Connecticut. It was the, it was the opening, you know, the opening picture of the, of the story on some news site, you know, and somebody had sent it to me. They're like, Hey, check this out. <laughs> yeah. It, it's the, it's the little things, man. And, and just to, um, just to bring it home, the, the tears, they start. And, and I got to, ed- before I even talk about the tears, I got to educate people because people don't get it. You're, you're pledging towards a Kickstarter and you're not laying the money out till the project is fully funded. So please don't, don't, don't panic. Like a lot of people do thinking that your money is going to be taken out on Johnny on the spot. That is not the case, right? Right. <laughs> Nobody's, nobody will be charged. Your credit cards will not be charged until November 4th. There you go. So, you know, because that's, that's something I got to tell people all the time. Cause somebody will show me a Kickstarter. They'll be like, Hey man, what do you think of this? And I'm like, all right, you know, it's cool. But just remember, you know, if you're going to lay out X amount of money, they'll be like, yeah, you know, I'm going to put down a hundred bucks. It's like, are you sure? Because people get that, that buyer's remorse out of nowhere, even though the money's not being touched. Oh, they don't take the money right away. Nope. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, it's definitely, you know, November 4th is the day that you would be charged for it. Um, we have a, we have a special thing right now for anybody that, because uh, sometimes people just don't have an incentive to wait, you know, they'll have a, to just wait till the end. Right. We're doing a, we're doing this uh, original art giveaway. Um, so for everybody that, that backs it um, for a physical reward, which at this point is $25 and up, you're automatically entered to win uh, free original art. And how much original art that we have is going to be dependent on by how many backers we have. If we got to 466 last time. So if we can get to 500 this time, um, we're going to have uh, people can, you know, the first, uh, you know, and how early you back depends on uh your will increase your chances of winning but like the first 150 backers will be eligible to win uh you know an original piece of uh original sketch from jerry lawler uh we'll have something from rob Schamberger, uh scott lost sin Bodie, sam shaw so there's going to be a lot of different original art you know so you got pretty good odds of uh getting something sort of randomly inserted in with your uh in with your prize your reward there you go so um definitely get in on it you know i can't i can't stress enough you know 
us here at MTR, we believe in, in Mike's project. We believe in the Headlock, The Last Territory. Definitely get in on Kickstarter Volume 2. Um, you can find Headlocked throughout social media, including Facebook, Twitter. Um, on Facebook, it's facebook.com forward slash headlockedcomic.com. On Twitter, it's at headlockedcomic. And, of course, you can always follow Mike on Instagram as well, and I'll make sure to put that in the show notes. Um, anything else you'd like to add? Yes, I, I mean, the Kickstarters for Volume 2, if you haven't read Volume 1, there's no worries. Um, you can you can pledge for the copy of the... Uh, you, if you can only pledge for... There's tiers for both books, but if you can only pledge for one book, we have a, a reward tier called Return Match, where you can pledge for a copy of the first book. And uh, all of the books we do are uh, through the Kickstarter, Kickstarter exclusive, so that the wrestler content... Um, you know, so for the first book, the Shane Helms story, the Rob Van Dam story, and... Uh, Christopher Daniels story like those are only for backers so you know you can back to get that book that way um you know and then for this book like the the Booker T uh the Booker T sketch or uh pinup and uh stories by uh, Kazarian and AJ and John Morrison that's only for backers so you know you can't get that any anywhere else um and it's sort of a reward for uh supporting us when we need it the most there you have it, guys. So definitely make sure to check it out. Uh, as always, Mike can be found throughout social media. He's very accessible guy. If you have any questions about any of the different tiers for the Kickstarter and any of that, you could definitely look Mike up. And if you have questions, we'll try to answer them as well. Um, definitely check out the Kickstarter links in the interview notes. We'll make sure to put all that stuff on there, break down all the different tiers as well as the tier that we're getting. And we'll make sure to share that with you guys as well. Uh, Mike, I can't tell you enough how much I appreciate you taking the time, especially so early in the day um, to do this interview with us. We really, really appreciate it. Hey, I really appreciate you guys having me on and uh, being such supporters from, uh, you know, sort of OGs, you know? That's right. All right, buddy. Thanks again. Thank you for your time. Thank you. You've just heard My Take Radio Beyond the Mic presented by Rageworks. To find out more about Mike Kingston, the Headlocked comic, and the Headlock campaign, make sure to check out all the links in the interview notes. As always, you can keep up with My Take Radio by following us on Twitter at My Take Radio, adding us to your circle on Google+, as well as becoming a fan on Facebook. To keep up with Rageworks, you can find us on Twitter, Rage underscore Works. You can also find us on Facebook and Google+. Plus as well my take radio airs live every wednesday and thursday at 11 p.m eastern 8 p.m pacific and you can listen chat and watch live by heading over to mtrlive.com or gfqlive.tv thanks for listening guys